for the past two weeks, we have been in a series called Generous God. Somebody say, Generous God. And I think it's just been an incredible teaching on generosity. So if you missed any of the messages, um, I encourage you, go back and listen to them. Check them out on our podcast or on our YouTube channel and get caught up. And, and in this series, we've been using the text, uh, the golden text of the Bible. And, and I'm sure that most of you know it by heart and have it memorized. But, but I want to read it to all together this morning. So it's going to be up on the screen or you can also turn there in your Bibles. It's John. Chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody know that one, right? So let's actually read it out loud all together. Are we ready? Let's do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Man, think about that. I would say that is a pretty generous generous God. You know, even though I would never be able to earn it, even though I didn't deserve it and I could never pay him back for it, God chose to give me his son. So to give him as a sacrifice so that I could experience salvation, so that I could have eternal life with him. What a generous God. There's never been a more generous act. And and it's only when we truly begin to understand the gospel and what God really actually did for us that we can fully understand generosity. You know, it's out of an overflow of gratitude and thankfulness for what our generous God has done that we desire to also be generous with him. Now, generosity is not just about money, although that is part of it. I believe that God wants us to be generous with everything. He wants us to live a generous life. And Pastor Sean talked, uh, the first week we talked about the heart of generosity. and, And last week he talked about the hands of generosity. And today I want to talk about the head of generosity the head of generosity. Um, So I'm going to point out three things that the head of generosity knows. Okay. So number one in your notes this morning, the head of generosity knows that God is the owner and we are just the manager. God is the owner. We are just the manager. Let's look at Psalms uh, chapter 89, verse 11 and 12. It says, the heavens are yours and the earth is yours and everything in the world is yours. You created it all. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. God is the owner. We are just the manager. You know, I read a story a few days ago um, about a woman and and she had been out shopping and she was returning uh, to her car and and she gets to her car and she finds four men sitting inside. And and this is where I I realized that this story was definitely in Texas because when she realized that these four men are in her car, she drops her shopping bags and she gets her handgun from her purse 
And with a forceful voice, she says, I have a gun and I know how to use it. So get out of my car. Oh, those men did not wait for a second invitation. They got out and they began to run like crazy. The woman, understandably very shaken up, you know, kind of what in the world has just happened. She quickly gets her shopping bags, gets into the car and she just wants to get out of there as quickly as she can. But no matter how hard she tried, she could not get the key into the ignition. Then it hit her. This isn't my car. She looked and indeed her car was parked four or five spaces away. She got out and she looked around to see if the men were anywhere near and and she loaded the bags into her own car, the real car, and, and she drove herself to the police station to turn herself in. The desk sergeant, after hearing her story, nearly fell out of his chair laughing as he pointed to the other end of the counter, where four men were reporting a carjacking by a woman with glasses and curly white hair less than five feet tall and carrying a large handgun. Luckily and thankfully, no charges were filed and everybody got a good laugh out of it. But here's the thing. She thought it was her car but it really belonged to someone else. You know, I think the same is true for some of us. We think that our stuff is ours, but it actually belongs to someone else. The truth is God owns everything. He owns that lady's car and the one she mistakenly got into, and he owns everything that we call ours. He owns it all. And you see, when we realize that everything we have belongs to God, we will not get so attached to it. We won't have so many problems when when God asks us to give something because it's not ours in the first place. You know, if God is the owner and we are just the manager, we will be generous people who understand that everything we have comes from him. And you know, this principle, it doesn't just um, apply to our money and to our finances. It actually applies in every area of our life. Our time does not belong to us. It is God's. Our talents and the gifts that God has given us, man, we don't own them. They belong to him and they should be used for his glory. It all belongs to God. And when we begin to kind of get it twisted and we begin to think that any of the things that we have actually belong to us and and that we are the owners, that is when we will be in constant conflict with God over what to do with the things that we have. That's when we get tight-fisted when God asks us to give. And that's when we start to hold on to all of our time and our talent and our treasure. But here's the thing. The head of generosity knows that it's not really ours to hold on to. You see, generous people live open-handed and available because it's not really theirs to begin with. You know, it's funny. My parents are here for this story. When I was writing this sermon, I didn't know they were going to be here. But I'm going to tell it anyway. It's really telling it on. I'm telling on myself here, so not them, but I might get grounded or something afterwards. I'm not sure. 
I remember when I was a kid and I would go on like field trips or, you know, sport activity, sports activities with, the, uh, with my school and uh, my parents would give me money, you know, for snacks or, or emergencies and that kind of thing. And, and, and my most favorite times would be when we're like driving up kind of late to the school, getting dropped off and, you know, they had not had time to get change. And so instead of like giving me the $5 or the $10 that I usually got, they had to give me like a $20 bill or a little more, right? Because they didn't have time to get change. And, and boy, when that happened, I was so generous. I was so generous. You know, I'd like be buying my friends candy, buying them some ice cream or what. I was like the middle school Oprah, like you get a snack and you get a snack and everybody gets a snack. How many of you know, it's a lot easier to give away someone else's money than it is your own. You see, generosity will begin to flow when we realize it's not even our stuff that God is asking us to give. That's in your notes, so write it down. Generosity will begin to flow when we realize it's not even our stuff that God is asking us to give. So the second thing that the head of generosity knows, number two, is that as a manager, we have a responsibility. As a manager, we have a responsibility. A a responsibility to do what, Krista? Like, what, what are you talking about? We have a responsibility to steward well what we have been given. So I wanna talk about three things that we've been given by God and how we can steward and manage those things well. So the first thing I want us to notice is that we've been given time, our time, and it is our job and our responsibility to manage and steward it well. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, and it says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. You know, we talk a lot about how God wants us to use our money and how to be wise with our finances, but I think that God is also very concerned with how we spend our time. You know, time is even more valuable than money because time can make you money, but money cannot buy you time. Every single one of us have been given only 24 hours in a day, and and each one of us has a choice to spend it wisely or to waste it. And we can never get it back, and we can never get more than what was allotted to us. Time is a gift, and we have to be strategic in how we use the moments and the hours and the days of our lives. So here's three areas that you need to be intentional with your time. The first is you need to be intentional with our time for God. We've got to prioritize our time with God. He's been so generous with me, and I want to be generous with him. You know what? He doesn't deserve my leftovers, He deserves my best. And so we've got to plan and to schedule time with him so so that he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. We need to be generous in our time with God, not just doing things for him, but also just being with him. We've got to steward our time with God well. The next thing we need to steward is our time with family and friends. 
our time with family and friends. You see, we were created for relationships. We were not created or designed to walk through life alone. We need each other. We are better. We are stronger together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is strength in community. There is strength in relationship. And you know, this world is crazy and and our schedules get insane and you can always find something else that needs to be done, but we have to be intentional and generous with our time, with our family and with our friends, because not only does it honor God, but it will also refresh and strengthen our souls. The next thing is we need to be intentional with our time for ourselves. We need to be intentional with our time for ourselves. You know, we've got to make sure we're being intentional and taking time to rest and be refreshed. You know, if God took a rest after six days of working, don't you think we should follow his lead? Right? I mean, something tells me that the almighty God, all powerful God, he didn't need to rest right? But he knew we would need to rest. And so he set a pattern from the very beginning. And so it's important that we steward well and we're intentional with our time for ourselves and our time for rest. So if we're going to take seriously the responsibility we have as, as a manager of our time, we must be intentional in having time for God, having time for family and friends and time for ourselves. But not only have we been given time to manage, we have also been given our talents. We have been given our talents that we must steward well. You know, I heard uh, a story of a man who had just become the new pastor of an established congregation. And in this church, they had Wednesday night dinners, right? And the whole church um, would come and they would have a dinner before they broke up and went into their, gla- their classes. And so it was potluck style. So everyone brought something to share. And, and then after the meal was over, everyone helped clean up the trash and they scraped their plates and put them in the dishwasher and they wiped down the tables. And then everybody was on their way to class. And and everything had been cleaned up and and put away except for the big pots that were used for the main dishes because they wouldn't fit in the dishwasher. So somebody was going to have to um, wash those by hand. Well, the pastor noticed um, an elderly lady in her 70s. She she wasn't frail, but she was definitely showing her age. And and there she stood at that big double sink with her, her sleeves rolled up and she was scrubbing and rinsing those heavy, greasy pots. And the pastor watched her as she was just working so hard and occasionally kind of struggling to lift these big, heavy pots. And, and he was kind of surprised with all of these amazing, very kind people in his church that, that no one had offered to help her. And so thinking he was going to get some brownie points and really make a good impression on his new church member, he walks over to her and he offers, Miss Alma, uh, why don't you uh, let me help you with those big pots? We, we need to probably just see if we can get someone else to share this job with you. The new pastor was not prepared for her stern response as she looked him squarely in the eyes and said, Pastor, this is my job. I've been doing it for years. I don't have much education, so I can't teach a class. I I can't carry a tune in a bucket, so you definitely don't want me to sing in the choir. But I raised six kids, and I'm helping raise 12 grandkids, and I know how to wash pots and pans. 
This is my talent. So you just go on and you help somebody who needs help because I've got this job covered. Thank you very much. Now, Miss Alma, feisty as she may be, is actually the picture-perfect example of someone who knew how to be a good steward of the talent that God had given her. She took ownership of it and, and she used it for God's glory. You know, we all have been given a talent or an ability or a gift that is unique to us and, and God has given it to us so that we can steward it in such a way that brings him glory. We've been gifted in a special way and for a special purpose and it's our job to discover what our gift is and then put it to work for the good of others and for the growth of the kingdom. Don't hide your talents. Don't keep them up on a shelf. It's our job to discover what they are. And you know what? It's not always up on the platform. Sometimes it's washing the pots and pans. But whatever it is, whatever you find to do that God has given you, discover it, develop it, and then put it to work for the good of others and for the growth of the kingdom. And the third thing that we are responsible to manage and steward well. So we've got our time, we've got our talent. Now let's talk about our treasure. And that everybody's favorite thing to talk about, our treasure, right? Um, You know, everything we have belongs to God and we are just the managers. So that includes our finances. Our money isn't ours, it's God's and we need to steward in a way that honors him. So right now I'm going to put on my Pastor Mike Benson hat for just a couple minutes and we're going to get really practical, okay? Here's what we need to do if we want to be good stewards of our treasure. Number one, we need to spend carefully. Spend carefully. Don't be reckless with your spending. You need to make a budget and then you need to stick to it. You know, here's the thing. A budget, sometimes that word is like overwhelming. People are like, what does that mean? A budget is really just a plan for your money. You've got to tell your money where to go. And, and I love that quote that says, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So if you want to be successful in your finances, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a budget. And, and a lot of people, they, they feel controlled by a budget. They think that that's going to be controlling. But in all reality, a budget actually gives you control that you never knew you had. You, it's, not, it's not controlling you. It's actually giving you control that you didn't even realize that you had. Proverbs 27.3 says this, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. You see, a good steward, we need to know how much money we have coming in, right? We need to know our flocks. And then we need to know how we want that money to go out. We need to pay attention to what's happening in our herds. If we want to be successful with finances, we've got to have a budget. We've got to spend carefully. Here's the thing, though. Don't just write out a budget and then go on living the same way you always have. I can speak from experience that a budget will only work if you work it, okay? If you have some accountability and you check in on it and and you got to go back to your budget regularly and make sure you're staying on track, You know, uh, Sean and I have always had a budget for our finances from the first, when we first got married, we, we made a budget. 
But it's actually only been in very, very recent times that we've implemented a monthly budget check-in to see where we're at and to make sure that we are in line with our goals and with what we are wanting to accomplish with our budget. And we laugh about it a lot, but I will just say that we are we definitely spend um, a lot differently uh, when we know that we're going to be sitting down together at the end of the month and looking over all of the transactions together, right? Like, I think twice before I go spend that extra $30 on that really cute sweater that I saw at Marshall's because I know I'm going to have to sit down and go through each transaction with Sean. And, and Sean, he, he weighs it very carefully as to whether or not he's going to go and buy that new bike gadget on Amazon because he knows we're going to sit down and we're going to look at it. And he's going to ask me, well, um, what envelope is that sweater coming out of? Um, and I'm going to look at him and say, um, I don't see a line item for bike gadgets. Like, where's that money coming from? Like, right. And so because we know that we are going to look at it together and we are going to go over it because of that accountability, that is the key to a successful budget. And so, um, just to give a little plug here, if you don't know how to make a budget or you just want to be, um, more accountable with your financing finances and you want some coaching on how to be successful, um, and managing your money, I would encourage you to join our next session of Financial Peace University. We will be offering this class early next year as one of our Wednesday night cultivation classes. We actually just finished um, a pilot run of it this last eight weeks during cultivation class. And it was really amazing to see um, God transform people's finances and really transform the way they view money. So if that's something you're interested, I would encourage you um, enroll in that next upcoming session. So if we're going to be good stewards of our treasure, we've got to spend carefully. Number two, we've got to save wisely. Somebody say save wisely. Proverbs 21, 20 says the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Don't be a fool. Don't spend everything you make. Make sure you are saving some. Make sure it is a priority to build an emergency fund. You see, it's not really if an emergency is going to happen. It's just a matter of when the emergency is going to happen. But if you save and if you prepare, you will be ready when that emergency comes. You know, no one likes to fix a car when it breaks down, right? Like that's like the worst thing about adulting. I, I hate those things. I hate when the car breaks down. But, but here's the thing. It's a lot easier when you have saved and when you have an emergency fund to pull from. You know, you, you're, you're never going to really like spending that money, but at least you have the money to spend. And it goes from being devastated, devastating to just being kind of an annoyance, right? And so Proverbs 6, uh, verses 6 and 8 says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. They have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Y'all, the winter is going to come. An emergency is going to happen. We have to make sure that we are preparing for it so that we can survive. We have got to save wisely. The third thing we need to do to be good stewards of our treasure is to stay out of unnecessary debt. Stay out of unnecessary debt. Proverbs 22, 7 says, just as the rich ruled the poor, so the borrower is slave to the lender. Debt is bondage. It it holds us captive. And when we have debt, we can't live the way we want to live. And we can't give the way we want to give. We're slaves to that monthly credit card minimum payment. 
When we have debt, we don't get to tell our money what to do, but actually our debt tells us what we can do. So how do you get out of debt? How do you get out of debt? It it seems like such a, a crazy and a hard question. It's actually really simple to answer, a lot harder to do. But I'll tell you, this is how you get out of debt. You gotta stop spending more than you make. Stop spending more than you make. You gotta stop borrowing money. Stop taking out loans. Stop with the credit cards. Stop borrowing money. And then, this is a big one, stop playing pretend. Stop pretending that you have money that you do not have. Come down, back down to earth, get honest with where you're really at, and then make a plan to pay it off and stick to it. Make a plan to pay it off and stick to it. So the last thing that we need to do to steward our treasure well, number four, is we need to sow generously. So generously. You know, God is a generous God and he wants us to be generous as well. Sean talked last week about the principle of the harvest, right? And so in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know, any farmer would tell you that if you only plant a few seeds, you're only going to get a small harvest. But if you plant a lot of seeds, if you plant generously with your seeds, then you will get a generous harvest. Now, this isn't like those prosperity preachers on TV. I'm not saying that if you give all your money to God that you're gonna, he's gonna make you rich. Like, that's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way. But here's what I am saying this morning. You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. When we are generous to the church and, and when we're generous to missions and to ministries that are building his kingdom, God is going to reward you in one way or another. And it may be in this life and, and a lot of it will come in this life, but some of it is in the eternity to come. There is a reward. He will bless you. You cannot outgive God. Let me give you one more practical tip to go along here. If you want to sow generously, if you want to be a giver, you have to plan for it. You have to plan for it. It's not going to happen on accident. You have to put giving in your budget. You know, Sean and I, we have tithing and we have missions giving in our budget. And we pay that every single month, just like we would pay our mortgage. It is a bill. It's not something, it's not negotiable. It's not like we're waiting to see at the end of the month if we have enough money. And then if we do, then we'll pay that. No, we don't give just what's left. We plan ahead so that we know that we are going to be able to sow generously. So how do we steward our treasure well? Number one, we spend carefully. Number two, we save wisely. Number three, we stay out of unnecessary debt. And number four, we sow generously. We're talking about the head of generosity. The head of of generosity knows that God is the owner and we are just the manager. And, And as the manager, we have a responsibility, a responsibility to steward what God has given us well. And finally, this morning, the head of generosity knows 
that the manager will give an accounting. The manager will give an accounting. I am held accountable to God because he, as the owner, has expectations on the manager. I will hold, be held accountable. You know what? The owner has a right to know what has been done with his property. I'm going to say that again. The owner has a right to know what has been done with his property. In Romans 14, 12, it says, yes, each one of us will, be, uh, will give a personal account to God. God will want to know what we did with the things that he placed in our care. How did we use the time? How did we use the days that we have been given? Did Did we squander it or did we use it to the fullest? What did we do with the talents and and the gifts that God gave us? Did we discover them and did we develop them and and did we use them for his glory or, or did we just let them sit on a shelf collecting dust, afraid to step out and do what God has purposed for us to do? How did I manage my treasure? How did I invest my treasure? Did I sow into the kingdom of God generously and joyfully? Or did I mismanage it? And did I hold back for myself instead of trusting God to be my provider? You see, the head of generosity knows that the manager will give an accounting. What have we done with what we have been given? Can we all just bow our heads this morning and close our eyes? We serve a generous God. Just just think about it for just a moment, how generous God has been to us. Think about all the things that he has given you. Think about your family. Think about your home that you live in. Think about the food that you have to eat or or the job that provides for your family. Man, think about the friends and the relationships that God has placed in your life to, to encourage you and to support you. Think about your church family who, who bears burdens with you and prays for you. And above all of those things, think about the fact that he has given you his son who sacrificed his life so that you could be saved. Think think about that. You know what? When we begin to understand how generous God has been with us, our natural response will be to be generous back to him. It's going to just overflow from us. So if you're here this morning and and you say this, you say, I want to follow in the footsteps of my generous heavenly father. And and I want to be generous. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my talent. And I want to be generous with my treasure. If that is you all over this room, can you just stand on your feet today and make that declaration? I want to be generous. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my talent. I want to be generous with my treasure. 
And can we make this declaration together? Can we say, I want to live a generous life? Just all together, let's say it. I want to live a generous life. Let's say it again like we mean it. Proclaim it. I want to live a generous life. Can I pray for you this morning? Oh God, you have been so good to us. You have been so generous, extravagantly generous to us. And we just want to be generous back to you. Not just with our money, although that is important and that is part of it, God. God, let us be generous with our time and and with our talent and with our treasure. Lord, every single part of us belongs to you, God. Let us live a generous life. Let us live a generous life.